40 days of prayer. We are in the middle of 40 days of prayer. In fact, today marks the exact middle because Friday you read your 20th day and 20 is the middle of 40. I'm telling you, I'm good at math. I just want you to know that this morning. I'm really good at math. I know where halfway is. But here's what I also know. The first half is over, but the second half is starting. And how many of you know that the second half is always harder than the first half? It's easy to start anything, right? I can start anything. I've started 100 diets, and I'm still waiting to finish one, right? I mean, we can start anything. The challenge is finishing something. That's the challenge. So this morning, I'm going to throw out the challenge to you. I'm going to throw out the opportunity for you to keep praying, keep circling, because one of the most important things we need in our life is prayer. Now, if you've been a part of this, this is great. If you don't know what we're talking about, we're reading a book right now called Draw the Circle by Mark Batterson. And Mark talks about how in prayer, we need to circle something in our life. And so we've been circling promises, people, or problems. And we've been praying about them every single day. Most of them we put on the back wall back there. We grabbed a circle, we put it in the circle. And then have you noticed, have you noticed how many answers there are now? Look, look at the back wall. You can see some answers happening, right? God's doing some great things in people's lives and you can see the answers outside the circle. That's great. So we're praying and we're having a 40 days of focused prayer. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to keep praying for whatever you circled. Don't give up. Press on. Persevere through. A marathon is 26 miles. I don't know if you knew that, but that's a long way. Runners talk about something during the marathon called the wall. It's that point in the marathon where your body begins to tell you to give up. Now, for most people, it happens, they say, around mile 18. I've never ran a marathon. I think for me, it would probably have around mile five. But most people that are in shape and are runners, it probably happens, they say, around mile 18. It's that point where your body starts to say, what are you doing? Stop. Give me some water. Give me some food. You're going to hurt yourself, right? That's, your body begins to tell you something. And at that point, you have a decision as a runner. Should I go on or should I quit? That, that's your, your, the challenge that your body is telling you right in that moment. Your body is telling you to quit, but your mind and your spirit are telling you to keep going, to persevere, that there's going to be something really good at the finish line. And that you're, you are in shape and you can handle it and you can make it through. Now, sometimes I think this happens with us in regards to prayer. See, maybe you've prayed for a long time. Some of you have been praying for a person or a problem or a promise for years, maybe decades, wondering when it's going to be answered. And at this point, maybe you've hit the wall with your prayer. And I want to encourage you, keep praying. Keep persevering. Keep circling. 
keep asking God and being in his presence. Because at this moment, we all have a decision to make with our prayers. Are we going to keep praying or are we going to quit? And I want to encourage you, keep praying. Now, as I was thinking about this, I wanted to give us several reasons why we should keep praying because there's lots. In fact, I was kind of astounded the long list of things that I thought of from God's word and just out of my own heart about why we should keep praying. But this morning, I narrowed it down to six. I don't know why six, but that's just what it came to. So I'm going to try to get through six things quickly this morning about why we should keep praying. Here's the first reason. Prayer's about being in God's presence and being vulnerable with him. See, first and foremost, foremost, prayer's about just being with God. It's simply about being in his presence and hanging out with him and spending time with him and being in relationship with God. And so the first reason we pray is not ever to get an answer. It's simply to be with our Heavenly Father. And so we can't stop praying because the most essential thing in our life is to be in our Father's presence. And so we need to keep praying. We also need to learn to be vulnerable with God, how to open our heart and our mind and our spirit to him and to share life with him and to do life with him and to be vulnerable and to submit our lives to God. We talked a couple weeks ago about the fact that it's it's God's job to answer. It's our job to ask. So prayer isn't about getting what we want. It's simply about communicating with God and being in his presence. So the first reason we need to keep praying is to remind ourselves that the most important part about prayer is to simply be in good relationship with God. I thought I'd model this for us this morning and see it from Psalm 23. In Psalm 23, a famous psalm that David wrote, you can see the vulnerability and the openness about what David is saying as he talks to God. Now, I'd like to read it from the message translation of the Bible. In fact, most of my verses will be from the message translation this morning, and there's a significant reason why. The chief reason why is because Eugene Peterson, the writer of the message translation, went to be with Jesus this week. He was in his late 80s. But here's what's important about Eugene. Eugene, for the past 50 years, has been the greatest Greek and Hebrew scholar that the Church of Jesus Christ has had. And we lost a good one this week. And so in his memory, I decided to use all of the verses this morning from the message translation Uh, to remind us how important the original language is to the church, how important God's word is to us, and to honor a great man who spent his life dedicated to the word of God. All right, listen to Psalm 23. And would you just hear the vulnerability and the openness of King David as he talks to God? God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You've bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk by my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day 
of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. I love the way that this translation gives us the vulnerability and the openness of King David. Here's a man who knows how to get into God's presence, to keep praying, and to be intimate with God. Now, it's no secret. This is another message on a whole nother day. But I think there is something profound about being able to be vulnerable and intimate with God and being able to also slay the giants in your life. The second reason we need to keep praying is because it teaches us to stand on his promises. Every single time you and I open the word of God, we're reading a promise of God. That's what God's word is. It's the roadmap for our life, but it's also full of all of God's promises for our lives. And we need to learn to stand on those promises. And I believe one of the most important things that you and I can do with God's word is not only live it and put it into practice, but pray through it. Learn to pray God's word. Learn to pray the promises in your life. So you pick a verse and you pray it for yourself or you pray it for a situation or you pray it for someone else that you're praying for. See, when we pray God's promises and we pray God's word, it gives us faith to stand on them. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Would you turn to your neighbor and say yes? Yes. See, all of God's promises are yes in Christ. If you are living for Jesus Christ, then the promises of God for your life, God will answer yes to them. Now, I'm not saying that God's answering yes to every one of your prayers, because not, not every one of our prayers is the promises of God, right? We know that. But all of the promises of God are yes for our life. What does that mean? That means that when Jesus died for our sin and came back to life, he fulfilled all of the promises of God. That when Jesus rose from the dead and conquered death for you and I, every single promise of God was fulfilled in Christ. And now is jointly fulfilled in you and me because Christ lives in us. This is good news. That means every promise of God that we pray from his word can be yes for our life. Yes, we have complete forgiveness. Yes, we have the power of the Holy Spirit to live a godly life today. Yes, we have an inheritance in heaven that, can be that can't be taken away from us. Yes, I can break addiction. Yes, I can have a breakthrough. Yes, I can live a sexually pure life. Yes, yes, yes. Every promise of God is yes. And I think we should keep praying the promises of God so we remember to stand on them all the time. Amen? We should also keep praying because it reminds us to put our hope in the Lord. It's so important for us to put our hope in the Lord. I think it's important for us to put our hope in the Lord because have you noticed how easy it is to lose hope? I've noticed it's so easy for you and I to lose hope, especially in the world that we live in. It's so easy. I mean, every night at 6 o'clock, if you watch the news from 6 to 6.30, you might have watched Hopeful, but you ended hopeless. It can be challenging in the day in which we live 
to have hope all the time, to believe in faith for all that we are called to be in because we're all the time being attacked and our faith is all the time being challenged. But prayer reminds us to hope in the Lord even when there is no hope. I'm reminded, we'll talk about him again in a minute, but you remember when Daniel, when they said, if you pray, you'll be thrown in the lion's den. What's the first thing Daniel did? He prayed. Did the lion's den scare him? Probably. I don't know about you, but hungry lions in a pit sounds scary. We're not bringing those to the Corner Carnival, by the way. We're going to leave lions out. Those scary things are for Africa. But what's interesting is the first thing Daniel does is he prays. He puts his hope in the Lord, even though he's in a completely hopeless situation. In the summer, um, my wife Kate and my daughter Allie and I, we, we flew back to Boulder City, Nevada, our hometown, to attend a memorial service for our original pastor who had passed away, and it was a great time. On our way, we flew southwest to Las Vegas, but on the way, we had a layover in Boise. On our way to Boise, um, kind of a rocky flight, kind of one of those crazy flights, a little too much turbulence. Uh, I don't mind turbulence on a roller coaster that's connected to something, but you know what I'm talking about? There's something about turbulence in a plane that's just like, we're not connected to anything. Are we going to fall right out of the sky? Well, here's what's happened. We were coming in. We were on our descent, on our approach, and, um, you know, at that time where the engines had been throttled down and were kind of falling out of the sky, and so I looked out the window and um, noticed, you know, we're getting closer to the ground, we're coming down quickly, and um, we, were, we were a good ways up in the air still when I noticed the runway, and I thought in my head, we've got to be too high to land on the ground. And sure enough, uh, after about five seconds, the pilot throttled back up and took off again. And at that moment, I felt what we often feel sometimes, and that is hopelessness. At that moment, there were a whole bunch of feelings and thoughts that went through my mind. Things like, can this pilot do this? Is there something wrong on the runway? Are we going to crash? Do we have enough fuel to come back around? Is there a problem with the plane and they're just feeding us a story so we don't freak out? I have to be honest, I didn't have much hope in the pilot. I didn't have much hope in the airline. It didn't matter that our bags were free at that point. <laughs> it was just everything was all out the window. And you're wondering as you slowly come around, are we going to make it? Now, obviously, I was over-exaggerating, but isn't that what causes us to lose hope? Over-exaggerating, trusting our feelings instead of the truth, believing a lie instead of what God says. I believe that we can have the same feelings about prayer that I had on that flight. We wonder if God, our pilot, can answer. We wonder if he's in control. But we... we feel hopeless because we're not sure he even is with us anymore. We worry about all our problems. 
They stop us from trusting God. Instead of focusing on what God has, we begin to focus on the problem and we begin to get hopeless. And when we get hopeless and scared, it paralyzes us from living in the truth and continuing to pray. See, it's hard to have hope when the situation you're praying for seems hopeless. It gets even harder when the situation gets worse. Have you ever had a situation in your life where you prayed for it and you thought you were going to have breakthrough and it never happened? It actually got worse? We'll get to in a moment why sometimes things get worse instead of better. But in those moments where things get worse instead of better, those are the moments where we have to press in harder, not run away from God. Where we have to go deeper with him instead of not spending time with him. See, when we keep praying, it keeps our hope up. It renews our faith. It reminds our heart and our mind of the promises of God that we're supposed to stand on when everything else is falling around us. We must keep our hope in God. We should also keep praying because we're in a spiritual battle. Have you noticed that the world around us is not living for God? Anybody notice that? Did anybody notice that the world is not standing on the promises of God? Has anybody gone to work and had a hard day because everything around you did not honor your Savior? See, we're in a spiritual battle, and spiritual battles are happening all around us all the time. The enemy is attacking you, and he's attacking me, and our enemy hasn't stopped attacking, so we can't stop praying. We have to keep praying, and here's why. Because prayer is a spiritual weapon. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, the Apostle Paul lays out for us The reason that you and I are in a spiritual battle, we're in a spiritual battle because we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against physical things that we can see. We're fighting against spiritual and demonic authorities and powers in the spiritual realm that we can't see, but we know are real. So Pastor Mark, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the Avengers. That's what I'm talking about. If you saw the Avengers movie, raise your hand. Okay, if you saw it, you're going to get this illustration. If you didn't see it, go home and watch it so you can get the illustration. At some point in the Avengers, about midway through the movie, the evil, <coughs> excuse me, frog. It wasn't a frog that attacked, though. It's just a frog in my throat. Aliens opened the sky and came out of the sky. And everyone on earth at that point realized there are beings from other realms. Never knew it before, but they knew it then. And then the Avengers saved the world. Yay. That's like prayer. If we could look up in the sky and the sky could open and show us the spiritual realm, guess what we would see? We would see a giant battle between the forces of God and the kingdom of darkness. That's what we would see. And we would see that they're attacking us as well. That's true. That's real. And prayer is a part of your spiritual weapon. Now in verse 18, Ephesians 6 says this, God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer 
is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Something that I've been saying for a long time, I believe it's true, is that prayer is not preparation for the battle. Prayer is the battle. Remember MC Hammer said you have to pray just to make it today? I believe that's true, but I also believe that we don't just pray so that we can make it through the rest of the day. We also pray because that's the battle for the day. See, we pray because we know we're in a spiritual battle and prayer is preparation, not just preparation for that battle. Prayer is the battle. Let me give you another example. In Daniel chapter, chapter 10, there's a story there that always has astounded me. Instead of reading the whole chapter, I'll paraphrase it for you. In Daniel chapter 10, you'll remember Daniel was a very prophetic individual. He could see dreams and visions and all kinds of things. He was a very prophetic voice for God during that time and for the Babylonian Empire and for the Jewish people. And in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel sees a vision, but he doesn't have the interpretation yet. He doesn't have the understanding. And so he begins to pray for the understanding. Now, what's interesting is Daniel begins to continue to keep praying, to keep circling, to keep asking God for the understanding. And then one day, while he's in his prayer time, an angel comes and stands before him. And it says that Daniel falls on his face before the angel because that's what all men do every single time they see an angel. Fall on their face because you realize I'm no longer the awesomest thing on the planet. We need to remember that, by the way, in our lofty thinking, that we are not the most powerful thing in the universe. We're not even close. The angel said something profound to Daniel. He said, Daniel, I want you to know something. The moment you ask for an understanding from God, I left heaven. Now, Daniel's probably thinking, that was 21 days ago. Exactly. The angel said this. The moment I left heaven with the answer, I started to have a spiritual battle. And I was fighting the kingdom of darkness to get to you. In fact, the battle was so strong, and I was in such a battle and, such, and, and being trapped by, the, by Satan himself that I had to call upon the chief prince angel Michael and he came and defeated all the enemies so that I could get free and come to you. It's taken me 21 days in an intense spiritual battle to get to you to give you your answer. That's biblical. That's part of life. Now, here's what I want you to know. Some of you have stopped praying. And I want to encourage you to keep praying. And here's why I want to encourage you to keep praying, because somebody's fighting in the spiritual realm for your answer. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, wants to bring you the answer. So keep praying. Keep believing. Keep having hope. Keep having faith for what God has for you. 
that's coming. Another reason we should keep praying is because those who are far from Jesus need a Savior. Those who are far from Jesus need a Savior, and we need to keep praying for them. All of us know someone that is far from Jesus, someone that doesn't know him as their Savior, and we need to keep praying for those people. We need to be on the cutting edge of our prayer. We need to be doing spiritual battle for them because they don't even know what it is. And so we need to be fighting the spiritual battle for their soul, for their salvation, for their faith. Why? Because God wants everyone to be saved. 1 Timothy 2, 4 says, He wants not only us, but everyone saved. Everyone to get to know the truth we've learned. That there's one God and only one, and one priest mediator between God and us, Jesus. Who offered himself in exchange for everyone held captive by sin to set them all free. One of the reasons we need to keep praying is because there's people that need to be free, amen? amen. Your friends, your neighbors, fellow students, family members, extended family, people you don't even know on the other side of the world. Jesus loves them all and he died for them all. And that's why you and I need to keep praying because we're called to be the church. And this is the church's role on the earth to present Jesus as a crucified Savior who loves us and loves everyone. And so we need to keep praying for those that are far from Jesus. Lastly, I believe we need to keep praying because we want a breakthrough. You want a breakthrough. You've been waiting, trusting God, believing for God, or maybe you've completely stopped. Whichever it is, you need a breakthrough. This person or this problem or this promise that you've been praying, it needs a breakthrough. And so you need to keep praying. You need to keep standing on God's promises. I hope you want a breakthrough, because I do. I want to break through and I want to see God do big things. I want to see him do miraculous things. I want to see lives changed. I want to see God do big things. And if that's true, then that means I have to keep praying. You have to keep praying. We all have to keep praying. See, the most important prayers are the ones we pray when we want to quit. Those are the most important prayers because often those prayers that we that we're praying when we want to quit are just days away from a breakthrough, moments away from a breakthrough. And God's not breaking through simply because we're being faithful to prayer, but he wants to, us to be in his presence. I'm reminded of the Israelites who walked around Jericho. You probably remember that story where God told the Israelites to walk around the largest city in the area to conquer it to walk around it for seven days, and they would see their breakthrough. Now, what if they just stopped on day six and said, this is stupid? It was stupid on day one. That's true, right? I mean, you don't fight normal warfare. Have you ever, have you ever heard of a war being won by walking around it? No, we've never heard of such a thing. It was silly day one, but they did it anyway. But what if they'd have stopped on day six? Would they have seen their breakthrough? No, 
They had to keep going. They had to keep pressing on. They had to keep obeying. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Keep praying. Keep circling. The breakthrough is coming. They kept walking until they saw the deliverance of the Lord. And I'm going to challenge you to keep praying until you see the deliverance of the Lord. To keep circling that promise, that person, that problem. If after the 40 days of prayer it hasn't been dealt with, keep praying. Keep circling. Keep believing. Keep having hope. Keep having faith that God's going to do something big in you. But keep trusting him. Because you as well might be one day away from your breakthrough. One prayer away. One faithful, obedient moment for Christ away from your breakthrough. So be faithful. Be available. Be teachable. God's not finished yet with you or your situation. So keep praying. As we close, I want to remind us why we keep praying. We keep praying because we need to be in God's presence. We need to stand on his promises. We need to put our hope in him because we're in a spiritual battle, because we're praying for those that are far from Jesus and because we need a breakthrough. These are several of many reasons why you and I need to keep praying regularly. So I want to encourage you, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Keep believing. Persevere through. Don't lose patience. In Mark's book, one of the phrases jumped out at me this week as I read. He said this, to pray or not to pray is our only option. And I agree. And I want to encourage you, make prayer your option. Keep praying. Keep circling. Now, I'd like us to close this morning in a significant way. I know that there are probably some of you in this room that there's maybe been something that you've been praying for for a long time. And it's been tough to keep praying. I'm going to ask you to do something this morning just as a step of obedience, as a step of faith, as a step of hope and of trust in God, that you would come up and pray with some of our prayer partners up front about whatever it is that you need to keep praying for. You know that at the conclusion of every service, we just have some prayer partners come up. And when we do that this morning, I'm gonna encourage you, just as a, as a point of breakthrough for yourself, instead of leaving this morning, would you come up and pray with someone? Just come up and pray with a prayer partner. So the life team leaders that are in the room and the prayer partners that are in the room, staff that are in the room, they're gonna be up here. Would you just make a point to come up and pray? It's your step of faith where you're saying, Jesus, I'm gonna keep praying for this. I'm gonna keep believing for this. I'm gonna keep trusting you because only you can change my circumstance. Amen? Would you stand with me?